welcome to Driving the Trains with Steve McKay. Okay, folks. Well, it's not Wednesday, and I'm not in the mini. It's Tuesday morning, and I'm at work, and we have a special guest with us. Say hello, Jeremiah. Hello. So Jeremiah and I work fairly close together, and so um, we decided to uh, do a little morning podcast because Chattanooga is starting to fade into our memories, and uh, Jeremiah was there with us, and I thought I'd get some of his thoughts too. Um, so Jeremiah, how long have you been playing 18xx? Well, I think my first time playing was actually in 2008. Um, I was at Doug Garrett's Meeplefest Con, and a couple of people wanted to play. I didn't know that many people at the con that, that night, or the people I knew were already engaged in the game. And I'd heard about 1830 before, but I'd never played it, and so I got roped into a four-player game of 1830 against uh, at least one other new player and then two experienced players. And we played it, and I gotta say that towards the end, I'm like, I'm not sure what we're doing anymore, because <laughs> now it's just kind of on autopilot. And so it didn't really click for me at the time. Um, it was enough that I was like, well, maybe there's something there. And, and I actually ordered a Deep Thought game at the time. I ordered a copy of 1889, which I eventually got two or three years later, and I still own to this day. Um, and over the course of the, those first few years, too, I actually went to Essen a few times, and at Essen, I found copies. I found all three 1825 units at the Mayfair booth, for example, and I spent, I think, 22 euros a piece on them. Or oh, my goodness. Like and I bought 1860 when it first came out for the 35 euros or whatever it was, you know, much cheaper than it is today. And over the course of the next few years, I didn't really play any 18xx games. Uh, I played 1889, I think, once very late at night at a con, and it was still sort of the same thing where the last few rounds were like, what are we doing here? And actually, my friend's girlfriend got really upset about the fact. She's like, I don't know what's going on right now. And like, why are we doing this? Why are we still playing? Isn't the game already over? Um, and so it wasn't until much later that I actually started really playing 18xx and it was about uh, it was June of 2018 and I was really looking for a more serious type of game because I don't get to play that many games so as a background I own about 800 games and I only play games three-ish times a month like my 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 collection is essentially the triumph of hope over reality and so when I was trying to find more serious game groups like I found the East Bay Train Gamers as part of that. Um, and it just happened to coincide with me trying to play 1889 again. And I was like, all right, this is great. I want to get involved there. Um, the last year and a half ha has been kind of interesting in, in part because the guy who was originally running our meetup group actually wanted to step back from that meetup group. And there are only actually a couple of us who are East Bay train gamers. Most yes. everybody comes from San Francisco or the peninsula over to the East Bay to play 18xx with us. Um, and so he had e actually emailed the two of us that were the regular uh, attendees who were in the East Bay, and the other one being Adam. Right. Um, and because uh, Adam doesn't make it as frequently and so forth, it just made more sense for me to kind of take over as the meetup organizer. And for the most part, this just means that I pay the $65 every six months for meetup.com. But, uh, but the other thing that I do as part of that, the, the meetup group is concerned, is that I do usually run 1889 games for newbies, um, which 
the, that gives me both the opportunity to win once in a while and also <laughs> to introduce people with a hopefully a game that finishes in an evening. Yeah. Um, so so for the record, Jeremiah and I win about the same number of games uh, in our meetup group, uh, which is not many. Um, there's there's some players there who are a little more dominant than we are. So, um, all right. So you actually tr- it looks like you track your games. Is that is that true? Jeremiah? I do try to track my games on Board Game Geek. Um, I looked last night, and it looks like I have somewhere around 109 plays logged in the last year and a half. That I'm undoubtedly missed a few. Um, I was surprised that I only had five logged plays of 18 New England, for example, because I know we, we played that a whole bunch of times. Yeah, I think um, you missed a few there, maybe. But, yeah. yeah, and I, I don't usually track my online plays either. Um, I have a couple reasons for doing that, and one of, one of which is that it's just really not the same experience. I like playing online as a way to like think through some problems, but for me, it's always a much more kind of cloistered experience. I don't know how to describe this. Like, I, I approach the web page at any given moment as if I don't remember what happened before. Yeah. And, I, like, I have to make a statement about this particular game state, make a decision, move on, and then see what happens in the intervening time later. Yeah. And so there's no... I, one of the things that I pay attention to when we play games is kind of the ebb and flow. Where are things moving? And where are things moving around? And who's doing what? And what their overall strategy is? And... I'm frankly too lazy and too busy to kind of go back and read through all the logs of what people did in between my last turn and this one. Yeah, I can't. I can't play online. I, I try to play online, and it just uh, the the lack of flow, the lack of continuity is just it just too annoying to me. Yeah. So so the, the I probably missed a few here. So I'm get I'm I'm guessing that it's more like 120, 125 that I've actually played just in ones that I missed. But I'm not, and, and, but again, that does not include online plays. And you managed to get a hold of an excellent collection of games. Um, when Jim liquidated out of his games, um, you managed to get a hold of a lot of games. So, favorites. Yeah, so uh, Steve's alluding to the fact that I actually bought the collection of the guy who was running the meetup. Um, I ended up selling almost every copy, every game that came with that collection just because. I actually already owned almost all of the games. So I only kept about five of the games uh, from that collection. Um, my favorite title is, I was actually really thinking about this last night, and it's really difficult for me to choose a favorite. Um, there are ones that I definitely like, like 62 is definitely in the running. I like 60 for its weirdness and also kind of, it's definitely an outlier in among the, the 18XX collections. But I think uh, of the... 1830-style games, uh, I like 1848 a lot, which is it offers enough variations and new strategies to try with the Bank of England. Bank of England's great mechanic, yeah. Having to pay attention to the gauge changes and how that, that impacts what you can run and where you can run to. Like, I, think it's, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in 1848. And one of the things that I don't love in games is a lot of financial manipulation. So this actually fits with it because it's not a game that where financial manipulation is one of the, I would say that that's the reason that it's not 1830-esque yeah. is because there's no real financial manipulation you can do there. Or at least it's very minimal. Yeah, it's kind of a typical O and O game from the stock market. You can do a little, but yeah. not real. Yeah, and I, and and of other games, I, I tend to like the the Lonnie and Helmet games, but uh, of the other games, I also really like eighteen forty nine. The that was 
essentially my first uh, incremental cap game, and I like the fact that it's randomized order, and, and there are a lot of interesting things in, in 49 that I like. Yeah, in our, in our group, I mean, 49 is definitely the go-to three-player game, right? It's, it's definitely not a newbie game, um, you know, where some of the other three-player games are maybe a little more simple mechanics, and uh, the, the randomized start is fantastic in that game. So. Yep. Um, and then you've got a, a fairly healthy list of you know, your collection is 800, but, you know, your top few that aren't 18xx. Yeah, so Steve actually posted a, que- posted a question posed a question to me about what my favorite non-18xx games are. I mean, I said I've been doing 18xx for about a year and a half now, but I've been pr- a pretty serious board gamer in general for about 15 years. And that's how I accumulated so many games. And most of them are Euros and Abstracts. So my 18xx collection of the 800 games is somewhere in the order of like 50 games. And the rest are Euros and Abstracts uh, with some kids games mixed in for my nephews to play. And so I have a ton of games that I really love in that collection. I actually try and think, you know, go through the mental exercise of winnowing my collection down to like one bookcase worth. And it's really, really difficult for me. Um, So like kind of in the broader categories. I would say I really love uh, Kinesia games. I love the fact that in most of Kinesia games, there's three things you want to do on any given turn, turn, and you can only do two. And so, like, there's always a tension there of, of what to do. And his mechanics are always very, very simple. Like, what you do on any given turn is like, well, you get to do one of these three things. Now, where you do it or with what, you know, card you do it or whatever can change from title to title, um, but it's always a very simple, like, do I do this, do I do this, or do I do this third thing on my turn? And it's one of those three three options. Yeah. And I, I, I like that. Um, uh, I also really like Splatter games. So I have Roads and Boats and Antiquity, and I've played both of those a bunch of times. Unfortunately, I haven't played Food Chain Magnate very much at all, but I, I do enjoy... The, I've played Roads and Boats a dozen times. I've played Antiquity 15, 20 times. I really like those kind of like massive distillations of a, a genre. I, mean, yeah. I think Roads and Boats is the ultimate logistics game. Antiquity is the ultimate like uh, uh, collection game and like uh, resource management game. And so I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, but uh, specific titles, um, I would say that within the last two years, Key Flowers probably be become my favorite Euro style game in part because it plays well at multiple player counts. And I think the blend of auction and worker placement and uh, hand management is just really unique and really interesting. Every every time I play that game, I'm happy to be playing that game. Um, it's, it's a great game to play against, uh, you know, like kids who have better memories than you do. Because <laughs> they remember the, the meeples that you have, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you don't remember their meeples. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And and for a long time I said that my favorite game was El Grande. Um, the, one of the downsides of El Grande is that it's only really a five-player game. And so that's one of the reasons why Keyflower has kind of taken over for me in the last few years is because I don't always have five players to play uh, or four other players to play with. Yeah. And so Keyflower plays better at other player counts as well. And then other things that I like that are kind of classics. I, I've played a lot of Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is a great game because 
three players who know what they're doing can play that game in about 25 minutes. And there's so many interesting decisions for such a short play time. Um, and then Kalis is also in the category for me because I think it's, it, there's, it's a perfect information game. And like, there's so much that you can do on any given turn. But again, three players can play that in 45 minutes and it's just so much game for that amount of time. Um, so those yeah, are... I, I think as as I've played 18xx games, one of the things that I'm learning to appreciate is the games that manage to be super interesting and not super long. You know, yep. the the it's fun to play the big long games, um, and there's some great titles that take some time to play. 1817, 1880, you know, um, 1844, but I am gravitating for, you know, let's concentrate this experience a little bit. I, th- I think that that's actually kind of a a hole that could be filled in 18xx games. It's something that concentrated the experience just a little bit, simplified some of the chromey mechanics that take a little bit of time, you know. Well, and I wonder if that's something that, like, I, I haven't actually played 18 Lilliput, but that's sort of what it's going for. I don't I don't. Yeah, know. so, you know, I've done a couple plays in Lilliput, definitely has not gotten a lot of great press. Um, you know, and the couple plays I had, the, the problem with it was is that it doesn't really take much less time than uh, one of the shorter, you know, 18xx games. Like 49 and it take about the same amount of time when you've got, well, maybe with experienced players, Lilliput might be a little faster. Um, but I have read that um, people online are saying, you know, give Lilliput a try, put in all the advanced mechanics. Like, And so I haven't done that. So who knows? Maybe we'll do that someday. All right. So moving on a little bit to your play style. Um, early on in the when I started playing 18xx, I was worried that I was a slow player because in general I play fairly quick, but then I'll have these long brain freezes where I just don't know what the hell to do. And so I actually timed a game session once with every player timing their turns. And as it turned out, all of us took about the same amount of time over the course of the game to make our decisions, except Jeremiah. So Jeremiah took about half the time um, to uh, play the game than the rest of us. So if if we're all like Jeremiah, we could play these games in in maybe an hour or two hours less. yeah, so talk to me a little bit about that. Is I mean, I assume it's somewhat of a conscious choice to play quickly. Um, you know, it, it is and it isn't. I mean, there aren't any Euro style games that I play. Actually, let me take a step back. There are plenty of people that I've played with who are really crunching numbers in their head to try and figure out what is the optimal move I can take on any given turn. I never crunch numbers like that. There are a couple times in, in an 18xx game where I need to do the like, okay, if I sell all this, do I get enough money to start another company at $100 a share? Like that's that's about the limit to the amount of calculation that I do in these games. And I also recognize that that probably puts me like behind the eight ball as far as being I, a good player. Yeah, you and I both play the same way and it did shows. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a gut player. I want to play quickly. I want to make a move. I don't want other players waiting for me or being bored or in any way taking away from the experience from other players because I took too long on my turn. And one of the things that has happened to me in many games I've played, not just 18xx, but 
many games I've played where there was a player who was slower than everybody else significantly, that actually does take away from the experience for all the other players. And at a certain point, who cares if you win if you took forever? Uh, like to me, that's not interesting. It's much more interesting to see if I can win by m making gut moves, the things that seemed right in the moment. That's what I want to, those are the types of moves that I want to make. I don't want to crunch all the numbers. And I don't really want to play against people who are crunching all the numbers because frankly, if, if I wanted to do that, I would sit down and spend all my time writing an AI that could actually do this well enough to play against me. I, that's not the experience I'm looking for. I'm looking to sit down, be social, have the game progress along and, and kind of and just have a social experience. Yeah. And, and I, I find that other players who are taking a long time take away from that social experience for me. So I'm yeah. just very cognizant of that. All right, so walk me through a little bit how you approach an 18xx game. Well, it's it's funny. I mean, I I have general principles that I abide by, and those general principles are kind of determined in any given game. How they get applied to the game, it comes out of the private auction, and then the private auction. Usually, I'm like I think about one or two that I want to win, and I start bidding on those and then depending on what happens in the private auction like my tr strategy can completely change from that point forward i know some people don't necessarily think you should worry about synergizing your privates with what you do with your majors and so on and so forth but i tend to do that in in only I tend to do that because I think one of the things that's interesting, in addition to differentiating our cash positions uh, early in the game, it, the private auction also differentiates incentives to do things uh, out on the map generally, or, mm -hmm. or at least with, with the company that, that's going to buy this private, pri private company. And so after the private, private auction, depending on what I've gotten, at that point, then I start thinking, okay, well, what, what do my private companies work with and as far as the major companies that I could start right now and how does that like what does it look like to to utilize this power with that major and so I'll usually try and kind of point my strategy towards that it's not always the case and sometimes I don't have priority to start the company that seemed most ideal with my private anyway or privates anyway so at that point it's just like uh fallback positions all right okay now that now that somebody already took that thing away from me that i wanted what do i what do i go to and and so it's kind of this constant fallback position uh strategy of like okay what's what's the right move for me here um i like to pay attention to trains just in the like i don't necessarily worry about all the track lays i know track laying is your favorite part of the game um it I don't dislike track laying, but I also don't stress out over it either because most of the time there are ways around. Because, And I know this because other people almost always find ways around the things that I'm trying to do to screw them up. Um, but uh, one other thing that I think is very difficult for me in 18xx games, and this is something that I've gotten better at, but is like even a year and a half ago I recognized it as like wow that's a really tough part of the game and I don't think something that you've talked about too much on the podcast before which is tokening when and where to token for me is one of those really critical and crucial things in the game that is very difficult to do and to do right I usually end up either tokening too soon which means I've put the token probably in the wrong place or I wait too long and don't place the token and get tokened out by somebody else yeah so, so Dan uh 
uh, the the gentleman who joined us last week, you weren't uh, you weren't actually at right. the Wednesday night meetup last week, but so uh, he actually at the end of the night we kind of commented and I commented on the podcast that uh, you know he he missed some opportunity to token out people and he really should have taken that, um, and he said you know I don't know how to token and and he's he's actually sent me a sort of bunch of questions and we'll be doing an episode on when and where and how to token so yeah you're right it it is and it's definitely to me it's a feel thing like and there are times when i'm laying a token just because it's early runs and it's a lot of money and i'm like man am i gonna regret this token oh totally yeah yeah Yeah. and there are also times when you do i i do it more defensively than offensively that's also part of it is like oh i want to preserve this run and it's just not clear to me whether i need to at that moment or whether i will have an opportunity to place the token elsewhere and it's more important defensively to place it elsewhere so and and that's something i'm still working through and don't get right every time for sure yeah. Uh, let's switch on to Chattanooga. Um, so you were at Chattanooga. We play, actually, you and I played several games. I think I played most of my games with like San Francisco people were, were you. So um, anything uh, that really like was super interesting, either in play or in game, um, what was sort of your, your favorite experience there? Yeah, so I played 10 games total at Chattanooga. Um, we started off our win- with, we got in at Wednesday night at like 10 p.m. and started a game right away, of course. And so we played 18 mechs. Um, we spent Thursday playing 1817 and then 1862 together. So basically the first three games were just you and I playing together. Um, then we played 1871 later in the con and 1882 together as well. Yeah. And the 18 Alex. Yeah. So yes, we played at least six games together. Um, oh, and and actually we played MRS together. So Oh, that's, that's right. Seven. Yeah. So out of the 10 games I played, you were in at least seven of them. Which so, is funny to, you know, travel 3,000 miles to play games with the guy. Do you, yeah. Yeah, play games in the well, movie, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I think it's it's also kind of silly that we go to KublaCon because we have quorum oh, without yes. going to the con. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there, are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, the the things that I. The thing that I liked the best, the game that I had the most fun playing was our game of 1882. And I don't want to belabor it because I know you and Adam <laughs> talked about it a lot a couple weeks ago. That was Adam's favorite experience. <laughs> but I had a, that was a lot of fun. And the, I, it was out of character for me to dump the oh, company right after Florida. It was very out of character. <laughs> and I really, it, it was just so fun to see the look on your face because it was clear you were not expecting that at all. And I really did enjoy later, and it's made me chuckle since then, where you were like, I I, I was just trying to engage in some casual share dinging. <laughs> like that part of that just cracked me up. It- that was a truly master stroke. And, and I think one of the things that I've noticed in our group's play is um, we are slowly and very slowly um, starting to pull the levers of no longer playing like we do. Like, like I have a very distinctive play style. I think you have a fairly distinctive play style. Um, you know, Adam has a – his distinctive play style is that he wins a lot. Um, and so I think he's able to modify – how he approaches a game to suit winning that game. Um, but yeah, I think you and I, and definitely a few other players, they've started to like, okay, 
let's play a little differently this time. And it's kind of interesting to watch that evolve, you know. Well, and it's also interesting, I mean, when we incorporate somebody like Talbot, Talbot is essentially like Chaos Monkey in a lot of the games that I've played with him. Yes. Where you're like, wow, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And some, like, I've definitely seen him win with these weird strategies, but it, it definitely is different than our normal, regular players that you and I yeah. play with. Yeah, and, and yeah, I mean, Talbot's style is very much like, I'm going to do this thing that moves the game along much faster than everybody else wants to, and I will probably win because people can't adjust as quickly as I can. Like, or or he just flat out doesn't even know. Like, yeah. he's like, I have no idea what this is going to do, but I'm going to try it and see what happens. Yeah. yeah. And so there's there's an element of attempting things without having any real conception of what yeah. what's going to happen, what the downstream consequences are going to be. Yeah, he won, so very he, he won our game of 44 this weekend that you weren't at, but, and he was like, yeah, that was a really boring win. Like, you know, he did all the things you were supposed to do to win, and it wasn't very exciting for him. So it's always interesting to play with Talbot. Yeah. I, I think the most interesting strategy thing that happened that I, that I saw, is, and this is something that's kind of been evolving as we've played more and more 1862, is the idea of a late game dump the companies that are about to have rusted trains make sure essentially they go bankrupt in the next round the next or because the trains will have rusted by then and then all the tokens pop off the board and now all of a sudden you can run across the board because like two or three companies no longer have tokens there anymore and so we we saw that a couple of times at the con and we've been doing that a little bit more frequently in our games here too yeah, we Adam and I covered this in our '62 podcast last week, and yeah, it's we're I'm I love '62. I think most of the group loves '62. I'm I'm very worried that that's the only way to like. Once you learn that strategy, you have to play that way, and so we'll we'll see. We 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 got lots more '62 plays in front of us. That is certainly true. Yeah. Um, overall, I I I landed about 20th in the tournament, which was totally fine with me. I didn't really care about the tournament. Um, I didn't necessarily like. It would have been fine with me if every game that I played was not recorded. Um, I only won once. I won a game of 18 Mississippi, which was um, honestly a little bit constricted. Um, there's not a whole lot of different options you have in that game to pull a lot of levers. Um, you can only buy one train around because it's a Mark Derrick game. Uh, there are only five companies in the game and in, and a fixed number of operating rounds too. So you can, you're only going to run 10 operating rounds. And the tra- trains rust on a fixed schedule as well instead of actually having uh, the fours rust the twos. The twos rust at a certain point in the game regardless of what train uh. gets bought. And so there's you kind of know how long things are going to run. But you guys played that game in like under two hours, right? Oh, yeah. We were done in under two hours. So, yeah. it, like, to me, that's totally fine. I, I don't yeah. necessarily need it to be a long game, and it doesn't have to have as many. Like, you, you can't have both. You can't have lots of levers and a short play time. You have to have fewer lever, levers to yeah. get that short play time. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, I, I might play it as a first time game with people, but I also might not just because it's almost so constricted that they can't really see where the meat is on the the bones of the system. So yeah, yeah. Um, it was totally fine. Um, but I think the, the thing that got me 20th place versus like 57th was essentially that I, I landed in second and third quite a bit um, over the course of the con. So uh, that was my only win, but I wasn't... Uh, I was kind of in the middle of the pack the rest of the, rest of the con. Um, so... And yeah, I... I, I 
don't know how I managed to win games. Like I, I played games that I'd never played before with players who played them and managed to win them. And so it was a strange con for me. We actually all had an agreement ahead of time that we were going to take it easy on you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that for a hot minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's uh, let's uh, move into uh, maybe yeah, eighteen seventy one. So, um, in my pot, in my my comments on this, I've made, I think you go back and listen to them. Um, but actually, um, some of it was based off conversations we had. Um, talk, yeah, talk to me about eighteen seventy one. Um, this is the uh, who knows if it'll ever see a full production light of day, but it's a very interesting game. It's got a very interesting open auction. Um, got a really interesting mechanism where this large company sort of breaks up during the course of the game. What what were your thoughts on seventy one? So so I I actually quite liked the game. I thought that there there were a lot of interesting ideas to the game. So the fact that there weren't any straight track was very mind bendy at various points in the game. That was really interesting to just be like I need to go from there to there and I have to hit. You know, I, I need to go two tiles, but I have to hit four tiles to make actually make it there. I thought that was really interesting. Um, the direct interactivity of the national, the company that kind of breaks apart, was actually kind of cool because, sure, you start off with a company for fairly cheap early in the game, but other people basically get the option to take that away from you when they want to by starting other majors that are taking away the tokens. And so that was that was also, I thought, really pretty interesting um you and i had talked at the con about the fact that like i felt like i was off in the corner so i started in i started the company that was in the the upper left hand quadrant of the map and most of the early routes were in that quadrant like building out of it was expensive and also not feeling particularly productive because it was going to be multiple track lays to get anywhere and so i built up that corner quite a bit and it just felt a little bit like i was interacting with myself and not with others and i think this is something like i think with bigger maps this is something that you're just more likely to have and i I think the prince edward island map was pretty big yeah um and that's also you know i've we we talked about it a little bit about uh, after 18 alex as well it's something that's happened to me in 1828 and like i'm saying all these things and listeners should know i've only played each of these once so like all of these opinions don't really matter because i haven't played it enough but at the same time i i think that bigger maps you're gonna you're less likely to have that early game kind of contention uh, that you'll see in a lot of other of the titles and so and maybe it's a matter of like the the Price differentiation, the reward for being in a particular place has to go up in order to bring players together. Yeah. And like you can choose to be off in the middle of nowhere, but you're not getting the the financial remuneration that you would if you were elsewhere on the map. Yeah. It's kind of like building the CNO versus trying to get into New York in 1830, where like everybody's trying to trying to figure out how to get around New York. And in the CNO, you're like, well, I don't really care, but I'm gonna take away this New York tile from you and I'm gonna kind of do my own thing. Like I think that there are there's still more like in a, in a title like 1830 there's so many companies that are that have to start pretty close to one another that you're getting a lot of that early game interaction whereas in these these other games with these bigger maps 
companies are starting further and further apart. And so you don't have that kind of like direct interactivity initially. Yeah. And and I mean, in, in the Prince Edward Island map, um, it was definitely like, okay, you could see that the revenue center was at the center of the map, but you could also see enough revenue elsewhere where you're like, eh, not critical I get there. Like, you know, it'd be, it'd be nice to, but it's so far away, I don't really see it going to be paying off and it's not critical there's these off boards and things that pay pretty well and well and it wasn't even really an option yeah right like you yeah. had to start somewhere else because yeah. it wasn't an option to get there because it was just so far away yeah and so yeah and 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 there were i, I believe in 1871 there was only one company that we could start out of the gate or two there were two there were the, the two high price companies that started right out of the gate yeah. and so like you were kind of Given that I didn't get in on some of the privates, I really had a restricted number of choices that I could could start on companies because one of the things – I don't think you talked about it on prior episodes, but one of the things that that game has is essentially uh, tranches of companies that can start similar to 1862 or 1860 where like all, you can only start things after other events occur. Right. And so you're kind of constricted by what's even available to you to start, um, which is what – kind of protects the national but it also makes it yeah, it makes everybody kind of start in their own corners yeah and um you also had a lot of thoughts on the being able to buy stock out of other players hands and things like that yeah this that that's never going to be my favorite mechanic i i don't i the euros that i like and the games that i like uh in general they have and i know this is funny because i play 18xx they have a little less direct conflict but it and I don't mind the direct conflict, but I do mind direct conflict that I have almost no control over. Um, and so the things that I don't like in 1830-style games are, you know, somebody heavily investing in me and then being able to really crush my position late in the game by um, dumping my shares. Yeah. And, like, you know, so the like making the run-good companies be, like, the run-the-second-best companies and then dump the shares of the leader as your strategy, that doesn't feel like the right thing. Uh, yeah, I, I'm always <clears throat> I'm always a little disheartened that, you know, I've, I've built the best company in the game and the only reaction now is to have players dump my stock. Like, like you know, which, I don't know, but I guess it does kind of happen in the real stock market. A lot of shorting out there, but yeah. still, you know... Yeah, it's not a simulation though when I'm no, playing a game. No, so let's move on to 18 Alex because we played that on the last day, um, and you did very well in that game. Um, I would have done a lot better if Adam Anderson hadn't helped Jonathan Anderson yes, out that yes. last track build. But, yeah, <laughs> um, I was definitely set up for second before yeah. that play. Yeah, um, I liked it. I. I actually don't have an opinion against 1841 because I've never played 1841. I've uh, just managed to miss it the weekends that we've played it here somewhere in the Bay Area. And so I've never actually, and I own a copy of it too, but I've just never played it. Um, the I definitely would play it differently next time than I played it the first time. I, as you and Adam rightly pointed out, I started my shipping company way too late in the game. And I just didn't realize how long the game was going to go on and or how much less long the game was going on uh it ended a lot faster than i thought it was yeah it's to. a it, it looks like a huge long game but it's actually not it's not it was it was pretty short i, I did not think that it was uh wildly obtuse with game rules or anything like that i thought that the again like i don't think i got it from the beginning but now after having played it once i think that the shipping company rules are pretty straightforward all of the you know i think that it's clever to do something to differentiate companies that 
other companies can own. So the fact that companies in the game can actually only own shipping companies, they cannot own other railroad companies. And so that is a differentiating factor of like, okay, we're going to start these things near the ports and you have to, you, you can run your ships essentially from the ports out onto the board, but you can't run trains from there out onto the board and so yeah. on and so forth. I, I thought it was pretty clever. Um, it was, it is, by Alex Rockwell, which I'm not sure was corrected in any prior podcast. Uh, I didn't know, yeah, I yes. didn't know who's, so it's, who's, it's, which Alex it was. So. Alex Rockwell of Homesteaders fame. It is his design. Um, I did like it quite a bit. I would want to play it again because, again, it's one of those bigger boards, bigger maps. It didn't feel as interactive. We were kind of each doing our own thing. And so that's not necessarily a bad thing to me. It's just something that's kind of surprising just because of how many other 18x X games that we play that are just so interactive and maybe it's because we've been on the 1862 kick recently where we're playing yeah. you know you're on top of each other the entire time yeah, as you're laying less track. than 40 hexes in 62 so yeah. and you're basically assured that you're going to be running into two or three companies the first couple of ORs yeah and, and, uh, and that was definitely not the case there but it was it was a good experience I've definitely played it again uh, I, I don't I would probably be more likely to want to play that again than 1841, just because I think it might be a nice like half step up to 1841's weirdness. Yeah, but, I mean, Adam had a lot of uh, really positive comments that I, I think are worth echoing around that it's it really streamlines the 41 rules um, and uh, and has some interesting. Um, Design choices that make it much faster than a than a, a forty one game would be. So, yeah, yeah, I think hopefully it, it does see the light of day, and uh, and because I think it does offer some of that forty one experience without without the length of forty one. Which, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think forty one is one of the long games that is deserving of its length. Like it doesn't. Well, we'll talk a little bit about MRS and our plays there, but uh, you know. It it's not a game where you're like, yeah, we're just playing the last third of the game to figure out who actually did best. You know, it, it's there's still the choices to be made. So, uh, moving on to eighty uh, two. Um, yeah, I don't I don't want to belabor this too much because I knew you guys talked about it. That that was just really fun, um, and I really was jazzed about it coming out of the con so much so that I've been coding it up in in the eighteen XX Maker tool that's out there. So um, I'll be releasing that probably in the next week or two, and uh, at least to the code base, not releasing it widely. So anyway, I really enjoyed it. I think it's got a lot of interesting stuff for essentially keeping most of the 1830 rules. And then uh, one thing that I don't know if you mentioned on prior episodes is the fact that the train uh, the um, the train limit schedule is actually different than 1830. You can have three trains through the five train, I believe, yeah. in that game. So yeah. like it, that creates a little bit more of a reason to have two threes and a four and so on and so forth. So it, I think that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, it, I think that... There are a lot of in, interesting, unique elements to the game on top of uh, the 1830 system, which most 18xx players are going to know. So I think it, there's a lot of accessibility there on a new map with new challenges and new privates, and I think I think it's pretty cool. And there's only four privates in the game, which is also kind of an interesting thing. Four, five. I think it's four. I was looking at the rules this morning. Uh, maybe, yeah, I think maybe it's only yeah, four. Yeah. And uh, but maybe I have that wrong. 
anyway, I, I think that that's also kind of interesting because now the private auction either matters less or matters more because now you have fewer things that you're you're uh, acquiring. Yeah. Anyway, I thought I thought it was great. I, I had I had a lot of fun playing that game. Um, I think one of my kind of enduring thoughts from Chattanooga, which I didn't talk about, but you sort of touched on a couple episodes ago, is that. My evening games, I want to play out in the lobby now where it's quiet and there isn't so much poker chip clacking. Um, that was I, honestly one of the things that made that experience really nice is that it was relatively quiet where we were playing. Yeah, we not... moved that one out into the lobby and we were the only ones out there and we had our little mini poker chips and <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we did play uh, an interesting game of 1822 MRS it was my first play of MRS I don't play a lot of 22 um you don't play a lot of 22 either no I actually I own 22 22 MRS and uh, Canada and I've played Canada two or three times I've played 1822 I think just once and so one of the cool things about MRS I so I let me take a step back I really like the 22 system. I like the fact that there are these auctions going on. The bidding the is entire, great. The entire, you know, for a yeah. good portion of the game, there are privates to bid on. There are miners to bid on. I think one of the things that I, I might think coming out of the MRS plays, and you and I were talking about it a little bit before we got started, about the fact that, like, two-thirds of the way through the game, there's, like, the all of the things that were interesting about the stock rounds kind of go away because you run out of privates, the miners are no longer that interesting to start. And so I do feel like there would be something interesting about figuring out how to extend that part of the game to actually last a good, you know, longer in the game, whether it's more privates or auctioning fewer at a time. If we only had two in the auction initially, you know, make maybe make the permanent five be one that's always in as the first one and then two and then just two each round instead of three each round subsequently um, something something to kind of carry that carry that interest longer into the game um, but I really enjoyed the fact that it was short so we played MRS twice I played it to MRS twice and in both times it was somewhere between four and four and a half hours which that actually is a weeknight game but we could we could actually get that done on a weeknight and I I like the overall, I just really like the overall system and how there is, the bidding every round is interesting because it's not purely a stock round. It's also a start a miner, get a concession, get a private round. And I think there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there in addition to the buying and selling of shares. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the 22, uh, my 22 experiences have always been kind of like I lose interest after about two thirds of the way through the game. Even if I'm ahead, I kind of just like, yeah, okay. It's, you know, maybe there's a little bit of track lane going on. There's not a lot of tokens in that game. So, you know, tokening someone out is is a an involved process of starting a new miner or capturing a miner with your major and and capturing its token and then spending $100. It's just like a very long and involved process and not a particularly interesting process. Um, and so it does feel like the last third of that game the regular 22 game is just kind of like yeah okay you know put a fork in it let's figure out who's got the money um whereas mrs somehow manages that e even though the privates do disappear like two-thirds of the game i guess it's that the last third of the game is now only 45 minutes to an hour and so you, you're not you're not 
like playing it for another two hours and 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 getting into that less exciting part of the game. So, yeah, I think MRS is a, a great experience. And honestly, I think if if you want to teach twenty two to someone, that's the game. Oh, to teach. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, have you play, have you played Mex? I mean, twenty two Mex. I don't yet? think I've played MX. Okay, because no. I I think Adam has the 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 beta copy of that right, and and so I played that a couple of times and the challenge around 22mx is is that there's a lot of really non-viable companies and so it's really hard to, to to sort of tell a new player like don't don't just like this is this is this is just a don't bother yeah, being on those don't things. don't don't start this company you're at the baja peninsula you got to be kidding me like don't even worry about that um and and new players want to do things at the beginning of the game and and so if you're you're trying to teach MR, uh, the 22 system to someone, definitely, uh, I would say, start at MRS. Um, yeah. 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 And actually, that, that brings up an interesting point. I, I didn't remember to bring it up when we were talking about 1871 about the late game differentiation of positions. But one of the things that uh, is a mechanic in 71 that I think maybe you touched on is the fact that you can buy shares out of other people's hands and, and, we started down this path, I think, but we didn't really get very far. Um, and one of the things that I don't like about that is that it creates very undifferentiated positions. So if you can buy all of your share out of other pe- all of your shares out of other people's hands, now all of a sudden you've got a hundred percent of your company, and you're just invested there instead of having people who are also getting a cut. And I think that makes less interesting decisions because now if you're withholding or paying out, it all the money is essentially ending up in the same pool either way. Yeah. And one of the tensions later in the game, and and you mentioned. Uh, you mentioned somebody withholding $400 just so they had token money in a game. And it's like, you're not going to bother with that in the, in that game just because you're like, well, why would I ever do that? Because I'm paying myself 100% of the, the yeah. dividends every time versus, oh, I'm only paying 60% to myself and I got to pay you know my, my nearest competitor 40% anyway. So that you're going to make different choices potentially based on knowing where all that money is going. And so I, I think that was one of the things that I didn't love about buying stock out of other players' hands. And I think as a late game, you know, there are certain things you can't really do by the late game. Your positions are going to be let, you know, if you know that you're holding the best shares, you're not going to dump them for other people to buy. And so, you know, the, the share allocation it can be kind of static after about three quarters of the way through the game where sure you're marginally trading up for something that happens to get a better run and a bit later stock round but for the most part our share positions are mostly solid by two-thirds of the way through the game yeah yeah and i think i mean one of the things is this we do play a lot of games that allow you to buy more than 60 percent but you know they if Someone realizes, ah, oh, you've got a good company, and 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 buys shares before you can afford to buy your hundred percent or eighty percent or whatever the heck it is. You know, I I I do think they should be rewarded for that choice. Like, right? You know, it's like it's it's interesting to see someone who you know their own position really on the board and the companies they ran kind of stank, but they were smart enough to realize that early on and diversify their portfolio and and get that you know maybe a win but you know maybe second place right and and so yeah stealing that mechanism away is yeah, it reduces interactivity but it also kind of it's like 
well, I don't care about buying your share because I'm not going to have it by the end of the game anyway. That's right. You know. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, any other final thoughts on Chattanooga? Or? I think I'm good. I don't. All right. There's to say. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Jeremiah. It's been thanks a pleasure. For me on. And um, I'm sure we will have you on to talk about some specific games. Um, you know, we've gotten Adam's opinion on a lot of things, got my opinion on a lot of things, but I think you've got some things to add, especially around 48. You play a lot of 48. Uh, we put a poll. I put a poll out. Surprise, surprise. 1817 won. That will be the next game that uh, Adam and I cover. But I think when we do the 48 one, which came in second place, I think uh, you've played that a lot more than I have. So we'll have to chat to you about that. All right. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Talk to you later, folks. Listen to the jungle, the rumble and the roar As she glides along the woodland through the hills and by the shore Hear the mighty rush of the engine, hear that lonesome hobo squall Traveling through the jungle on that Wabash cannonball Lady, 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 lady,